right, everybody. Hello. Um, good evening. It is a Thursday night. Um, we just recorded on Easter Sunday, so it'll be a quicker podcast today. How are you, Sean? Doing well, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, we don't really have as much to talk about because the gap of time isn't nearly as long as last. Um, but so we might as well jump on in. Um, we got I a guess, national champion. Yeah, congrats, Villanova. They are um, a new dynasty. Uh, Jay Wright will be coaching the Knicks next year. A little bit of a dynasty. Yeah, well, they're, most of their players are coming back, so I think they're going to be pretty good. And they have a five-star point guard uh, coming in next year. But um, Nova Nova played a really good game, and DiVincenzo dominated that game. Yeah, so. c- coming off the bench with 37 points. Uh, 31. Thir- he couldn't have looked much better. 31 I mean, points, five much rebounds. Better. He had two big-time blocks. Um, New York Post said he was the Michael Jordan of Delaware. Um, he really he really dominated that game, and he made a name for himself. And we're going to talk about what we think um, is going to project to the NBA coming out of this game. Um, but I think he really made a name for himself. Don't think he's going to go to the league because he'd probably be – at best, a late second-round pick right now, um, maybe an undrafted free agent, but he's people are going to be watching him now. Yeah, he's going to have a target on his back next year for sure, and he'll have an increased role and uh, be the catalyst next year for Villanova, especially you know what he's done this year. So we'll see if he wants to go pro after next year, if he plays really well in the Big East and they make another run. Because he's only a redshirt sophomore, so he's got a few years left. He's a little bit older. Um, 21 years old, really, really athletic, and he can shoot it from deep. I remember, you saw that in that game. I remember game. the first time I saw him dunk. I he at first I thought he was like their next uh, Archidinakno uh, or whatever his name is. That's right. Um, it down. Love it. Um, represent. Um, so you know, I thought he was going to be a lot like uh, Archidinakno from the team a couple years ago. And I saw him dunk one time. I was like. All right, this is different. Like, yeah, this last guy's year he really made athletic. a name for himself with that putback dunk that he had, and and he's got a lot of bounce. Really athletic. He can handle the ball. Um, he's a really versatile player, and I think his game translates to the NBA because he can shoot it from anywhere. And then if you get up in him, he's going to go right by you, and he can dunk on anybody. Yeah, he had a really. Oh, I think he can what, really guard too. Yep. What was so impressive about that performance? Not just the fact it was the national championship game and the numbers that he put up, but how versatile he was. I mean, he, the defense he played, the he hit threes from way back. Yep. A couple from the NBA, where the NBA three would be, if not a couple steps back from there, and then was able to take it to the rim and have a couple powerful dunks as well. So, yeah, he, he looks like he could be the real deal next year with an increased role on the team. Absolutely. So, I mean, we've pretty much said all we can say about him. He's going to be great to watch out for next year. And I think uh, Villanova probably having everybody but Bridges deeper into the game. Um, Michigan came got off they came out really hot like I said what was going to happen uh, Wagner came out like a bat out of hell dominating but there was actually a point in the game where I think he was he's kind of crazy and he got too tired to the point where he had to call himself out of the game and when he went out um, DiVincenzo got subbed in and the rest was history from there it, it wasn't even close yeah, no, I mean, from the second half on, in particular, that was a Nova route, and 
really a DiVincenzo route. Um, yeah, he, he took that game over. And, you know, Brunson being the National Player of the Year only having four points, if you had told me that the day before, I would have said Villanova probably loses by 10 unless Bridges drops 40 or something. And, and they didn't even really need him. No, and, and you know, we were talking about our predictions for the game on Easter Sunday. The fact that, I don't mean to interrupt, but the fact that he was unanimous player of the year is a little bit crazy. Am I wrong? No, no, not at all. A unanimous is strong. But um, deserve it to be a winner, he, top three, whatever. But yeah, he definitely a finalist. Board, and no. if he had won, whatever. But to be unanimous, it, that was a little. I thought that was a little aggressive. But to, it speaks to the parity in the in co- the landscape of college basketball that we had talked about since we started this podcast and getting into the tournament. You know, a lot of parity didn't seem to be one great player. Didn't seem to be one great team. Villanova was the great team. Uh, that was the, the great end. team, and they and their, their margin of victory in the tournament was like seventeen points. Yeah, they looked the strongest. They they looked like they were the most complete team. They looked like they were the most composed team this throughout reminds the tournament. Me of North Carolina in 2009, I think that was a Hansboro year. Yeah, they were almost unbeatable that year. They, Ty Lawson as well. They just rolled. Yep. They just rolled, and that was Villanova this year. And I think they did it a little bit more quietly that North Carolina than that North Carolina team. But, you know, talent-wise, I feel like they're about at the same level and, and domination-wise. I mean, they... They own college basketball pretty much. This yeah, year. and speaking to your point, too, about being maybe a little quieter is, you know, North Carolina was playing in the ACC, which is always stacked, arguably the best conference in college basketball every the single year. The Big East year. is very disrespected. This Big East is disrespected, but I hope that based off of this tournament and the seedings and as many teams that came out and now Villanova winning two and three years, people need to start recognizing the talent that is in the Big East right now, how dominant Villanova is, and it's not just like it's them. You know, Xavier had another one seed. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Xavier. Um, we'll have to see how it goes just because is that a product of them or is that a product of the coach? Because it's like Butler went to back-to-back national championship or did they go? No, they went yeah, to one back to back. They went to the they lost to Duke and then UConn. Yeah. Um. So I mean, but that 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 looks more. You know, looking back at it from five years ago, that looks more like it was um, Brad Stevens than it was the team. They're a little bit more of a respected team. They just got a um, a four star transfer um, from Duke. They they always get decent players and they're always a good team in the Big East and a tough out in the tournament, but. They're not. I don't see them going back to a national championship. But in fairness, game. Butler, when they made those runs, weren't in the Big East, so they weren't playing as good a competition in the regular season as they are now. Um, so we'll see what the future holds for Xavier and the Big East now. But to win two championships in three years, um, that's about as dominant as you can get. Nova, in my opinion, honestly, and I'm a Big East fan, You know, being a St. John's fan, Nova kind of transcends the Big East. They're just a great team. From every era. You could put them in the – well, yeah, and you could – I mean, the Big East was a lot better back then, but you could put them in the ACC, whatever, and they're going to be a top three team no matter what what league they're in. They were just the best team in the country this year by far. They had one bad loss all year to St. John's at home. Yep, and a testament and, to Jay Wright, too, is you know he's not getting the one-and-dones. He has very talented players, but he develops those players. Those players get better every year, and you can see from the team that won in 2016, that was a senior and junior-driven team. This year, it was kind of like they had that one gap year, and they've had a bunch of juniors and seniors and some experience from their underclassmen as well. They're going to be good for a long time. It seems like he really knows how to recruit. It seems like he knows how to develop. And in that conference and across the landscape of college basketball, when there doesn't seem to be a dominant team and the one and done is kind of the trend amongst the blue blood schools, 
Villanova's rising above all of them, and they made it look pretty effortless this whole this whole run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess next year Villanova is going to be the heavy favorite to win again. A lot of players returning. Um, to talk about Michigan, um, I mean, it, they had a good game, but you know Villanova was just the, well. The they just didn't team. have an answer for yeah. DiVincenzo. especially with Wagner getting himself hyped up and tired. He was really the only thing that could have that could have beat them. Um, and like like I said earlier, I did predict that they were going to win. Uh, they came up just a little bit short, but. You know, Wagner would have had to have had like a 30.15 rebound game. And, you know, the, the, all all their big players for Villanova would have had to have mediocre games at best. Um, if you want to jump into a little prospect talk about this game, um, you know, how they translate to the NBA, we could definitely do that. Um, if you want to jump to the Michigan side, I think there's two players on the team that translates somewhat to the uh, NBA. Wagner, who's a little bit older, and then Jordan Poole. Um, Poole's a freshman, so you're not talking about him anytime soon. But I think if he gets better every single year, he's a guy who could be a fringe late first rounder. Good shooter, long, athletic. You think if he plays well next year, he, he could maybe go pro after his sophomore season? Or is I he you looking at more of playing three years and then maybe taking a leap after his junior year? I think year? he's more of that. I don't think he's good enough to to come out after two years. Unless he's in you know a first-team All-American type talk next year, I don't think he's even close to that good. Um, you know, he's, he's fearless. He's a good shooter, athletic. He did hit that buzzer beater, which kind of, kind of caught my attention and caught the country's attention, but I don't really think he's, he's going to be ready next year. He's a tight, he's like a three and done or, or a, or, an, or a graduate kind of guy. Um, as for Wagner, I think that he's a late first round to early second round type guy plays with a lot of energy can stretch the floor has to get better on the defensive end but he's going to give that effort and he's going to work hard at the next level uh he can go in there and grab a rebound which is what you want to see and he can stretch the floor and he gives the effort on defense so if he can get you know a little bit better on the defensive end maybe you could see him playing some significant minutes for for a team um, I feel like he's a guy where if he gets picked in the late first round by an already pretty good team and a proven team, maybe a team like a Houston or a Golden State or or a team like a uh, like a Boston even could probably yeah, develop like him into a nice player, right? Yeah. No, I, I, he, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, you're never going to see him on an NBA All-Star team, but I think he could have a productive career in the NBA. The rest of Michigan... You know, um, what's his name? Muhammad Ali, was it Muhammad Ali yeah, or whatever? Yeah. No, they're you know they're they're great college players. You know, it's like Perry Ellis. Thanks for playing for for being a part of our lives for ten years or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're not. They don't have the talent on this championship run team that they did in 2013 when no, almost every player had, went pro. Yeah, Trey Burke and Hardaway and yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, yeah. Mitch McGray and and all that good stuff. Um, and then as for the Nova side. Um, guys that are going to come out now, uh, I think Brunson's going to come out, and I think um, Bridges. Bridges, and Brunson, I think, is going to be a really, really good backup point guard for you know ten years in the NBA. Lottery pick? Uh, hell no. He's going to be he's going to be a um, he's going to be like a late first round, early second round. Um, 
a guy to compare him to right now. He's more of a throwback kind of player. But I look at a guy, he might end up being a late bloomer. You look at a guy who's been playing a lot lately is Quinn Cook. Yeah. Golden State Warriors, he actually just signed an extension with them. Yeah, he got a chance with those injuries, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, so he's that kind of guy where it's just like he knows how to play, knows how to win, um, and, and he's just a good point guard. Um, I, I think that's where I see him being slotted. Um, which, you know, and those those late picks in the first round, early picks in the second round, are usually for teams that are they do one of two things. They take they're, – they're teams that are already talented that obviously they're drafting late in the, the first round. They're going for one of two things. They're trying to fill a need, and they don't have any cap space, so that's, that's where Brunson might go or they're trying to take a home run swing at a guy in the late round with a lot of talent, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler. The list goes on of these guys that just, you know, they they weren't their athleticism is exactly is almost, and they end up being stars. It, yeah. Obviously the 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 guy the the backup point guards are uh, there's more success with than finding a star in the late round, but that's the two ways that I think he gets drafted is by a good team that, you know, is willing to to keep him because they can't sign a veteran backup point guard. Right. And I think he I think he's going to have a decent career in the NBA just off just off being a good basketball player. Um and then as for uh, Bridges, I think he's going to be a lottery pick. That was who I w- was I got the two confused. I, I would hope so. I really <laughs> would. Uh you're starting to scare me over there. But I think with Bridges, um, he's long, athletic, can defend positions one through four, um, even a stretch five. And if he can get more consistent with his jump shot, I think that he's going to be he's going to make a couple All Star teams. To be honest, if he gets put on the right team with the right um, development in the right environment and all that other all those other bullshit adjectives, I think that he can be an All Star. Um, the rest of the team, Spellman and Archie, D- Archie Doc, no, fucking DiVincenzo, whatever, one of those names. Um, I think both of those guys are going to end up playing in the league, but I don't think it's going to be until next year or the year after. Um, Spellman, I think, can be a, a late first rounder, just based off the fact that he's like 6'10", 250 pounds, and he can stretch the floor out, and he's really athletic. Um prototypical power forward nowadays where he's going to just bring the uh, bring the guy guarding him out to the three-point line um, and let the point guard really create. And then we've already talked enough about DiVincenzo. He's a really, really good athlete, and I think he's a great prospect. Yeah, he'll be fun to watch next year, absolutely, especially in, you know, before the – well, Duke's going to have their freshman, their three-headed monster of a freshman class Which we'll in. talk about – we'll talk about coming closer to college basketball season. I think that's really interesting because – you know, everybody's going guard heavy, and then Duke just scoops up three small forwards that, you know, I've watched I've watched a little bit of tape. You know, Zion's famous just for his dunks, and I've watched a little bit about the other two, and it's none of them are primary ball handlers. So um, Yeah, we'll so see we, how Krzyzewski works with them. But yeah. I was just saying, you know, they're going to probably be headlining the preseason attention when college basketball starts up in late October. Absolutely. So, and Villanova's going to be under the radar because right. Duke every year just grabs the headlines. And Kentucky and then, will have their guys, too. Yeah, before you know it, you're going to look up, and there's going to be Villanova probably standing on that podium again. Um, 
But then yeah, that would be a real dynasty. Three oh, or four yeah, years. Yeah, absolutely. They got a mini dynasty now. I think they took a, another step, and I think Jay Wright took took another step towards being one of the better college basketball coaches ever. Um, but yeah, that I, I guess that's that would wrap up college basketball for the year. You know, when we get into whenever college basketball is about to start, we can talk about some new head coaching hires. Um, I know you're excited about um, the Hurley guy. I am. Yeah. As, as, yep. As a, as a UConn fan, it's nice to hopefully see somebody that knows how to call uh, inbound plays. No, know, knows how to coach. Uh, period. Well, yeah. that, but most mostly just uh, recruit and develop players. Yeah, Ollie was not able to do that. And he's a hot name right now. He, I think he was a good hire for UConn, and trying to get from back pe- into relevancy. Yeah, and he comes from a, a basketball coach and pedigree. So you know, yep. he he's got he he's gonna. He was good no for that university. He was a good basketball player at Seton Hall. Yep. People always know about his brother who played, you know, um, at Duke and then played in the NBA till he got um, for the Kings till he got in a car accident. But he was a great four-year player at Seton Hall for yep. PJ Carlissimo. So, but listen, just at the end, there's not a world where UConn men's basketball should be worse than Tulsa, and I think they know that, and that's absolutely. why they made that move. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, well, we'll really get in. We'll dive deep into college basketball. You know, we'll do a preseason thing, but that's far down the line. The season just ended. Uh, it was a weird year for college basketball. It Very was. weird. But it fittingly, it seemed like the most consistent team all year was Villanova. I'm glad that I'm, – well, I'm glad that a Big East team won, but I'm glad that Villanova won because if, if a team like um, Loyola won – Something weird oh, like that. Yeah. It, 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 it just wouldn't feel right. It, it would have flipped it on its head. Yeah, I'm glad a semi, whatever you want to call it, blue blood, blood a deserving team won. And it was nice that Loyola had that run. Yeah, I mean, they and captured if, the nation's attention for sure. And if Michigan won that game, although Michigan is is a storied program, they do have a national championship. They have two other Final Fours that don't actually count anymore with the with the Fab Four. Um, five. You know, yeah. Sorry, whatever the Fab Five, whatever they don't matter. Um, they, you know, they, they didn't play what they didn't play. What was the highest seed? They played a five seed. I think was the highest seed. I think you're right. Yeah. Five seed this year. All, everybody would have been saying, you know, this was the worst year of college basketball ever. So I'm just glad that Nova dominated and, you know, in the end, although it went against my prediction and I was rooting heavily at the time for Michigan because I had a little money riding on the game as well. (laughs) Um, That's incentive enough. um, I'm glad in, in hindsight that Nova won just to. Give co- just to keep that legitimacy in college basketball because it would have been weird had Loyola won. Especially Michigan, when Virginia yeah. losing to a 16, yeah, the way they did, year. it was odd. But, no, you're right. So Fun year, but a weird year. Yeah. So why don't we head in now we'll to, the, to, NBA. to the NBA? Might as well. We already we, talked about We got a couple bit of news notes. Kyrie's out. Yeah, we'll just go from when we last talked on Sunday. Some random news that uh, Kyrie actually is going to be out for the entire season. Um, I guess – uh, you can speak a little bit more to an injury than I can to his knee. Um, I, well, the, it's a chron- I mean, he's had chronic issues with the knee. Uh, so, so when they did the surgery, did they find out it was going to be a little bit more complicated than they originally expected? Is that pretty much what yeah, happened? Yeah, so basically what it made it seem like was it was going to be a relatively simple procedure. 
um, and they found more d- structural damage. They always than call it a scope, just a little scope. Yeah. You know? But if you're opening up somebody's skin, I mean, and going into a major for, for another time too. This knee has given him a lot of issues, and his injury questions have been have come to the forefront it, during his entire career. Yeah, what do they call? They call it uh, um, um, a minimally invasive. Minimally scope. invasive I love scope. That yeah. Yeah, you may sound super technical, but you yeah. know what? It really isn't. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that kind of flipped the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference all over the place because I thought it would have been such a great storyline. Although we talked at length last week about the Raptors and how we think they're the biggest threat to LeBron and, and Cleveland. It would have been great to see Kyrie because I think the pressure that would have been on LeBron if Kyrie's playing for Boston would have been amazing because think about it this way, right? Kyrie leaves Cleveland because he can't stand to play with LeBron. He goes to what a lot of people believed was their closest competitor in the Eastern Conference, a team that's played well all year. He's been driving that car all year up until this injury, and now it's almost like LeBron's got that free pass again through a drama-free Eastern Conference. I mean, we don't know what he, what Toronto will do. I know they clinched the one seed, but Boston had the one last year, and Toronto it didn't seem to matter. Toronto and Philly are really the only two teams that I would worry about, and Philly's got that Embiid thing, so we don't know what's going on when he has to put a mask on. Um, you know, the playoffs, uh, the the series that are – they're the like the 4-5 series is going to be interesting – um, and then the Western Conference is going to be much more interesting. When the playoff seeds finally get locked in, which, you know, um, late in these games, Denver's still battling, Oklahoma City's still battling for spots. I'd love to see an Oklahoma um, City-Golden State matchup right off the bat. I'd like to see it in the second round, honestly, yeah. just to get a little bit deeper, you know. But it would be pretty awesome but right But that off would the be bat. the one first-round series, I think, that would be really fun to watch because, let's be honest, the first round in the NBA playoffs, for the most part, yeah. is kind of a dud and a foregone conclusion. The, the only teams that I think are going to give Houston slash Oklahoma City even a little bit of a, of a hard time of, in the Western Conference are Portland could give, them, could give those two Houston teams a Golden series. Houston Golden State, you mean. I'm just naming the two teams right. that are going to end up in the conference yeah. finals. But the, the, the teams that are going to make series interesting are Houston, um, Portland, Utah, possibly Minnesota, and depending on how Carmelo plays, Oklahoma City. Um, you know, that's I just named like half the fucking conference. But, <laughs> but that goes to show how deep that conference is. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of talent, and it's just that shows that Minnesota if Butler can gap. get back. Because Carl Anthony Towns is playing out of his mind right now, and he can carry this over into the playoffs with a with a with a semi healthy Jimmy Butler who plays a really really good perimeter defense and is you know a top twenty player in the NBA on both sides of the ball. They'd be really interesting. But to get back to the Eastern Conference, Kyrie being out, I just think kind of dilutes everything, kind of ruins. You know, it, it's going to be. Although John Wall looked really good, and he looks like he looks like he lost some weight doing some rehab, um, I think it's going to be Toronto, Cleveland in the fi- in the Eastern Conference Finals, and like I said, I think Cleveland comes away with it. I think LeBron's got Lowry and DeRozan's number. Oh, I do too, and that's it. Reminds of- me of Jordan and the rest of the league. I was a lot young. I was young when that was happening, but Jordan just owned the league. He it, it, nobody could get over the hump. Well, 
Berkeley right. almost did it, but he owned Stockton. He owned Malone. He owned everyone once he got over that hump. And that's how I feel about LeBron and the Raptors, honestly. Oh, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And also, like, we were talking a couple times, right, how the NBA loves to promote storylines, loves to get drama because – in such a top-heavy league, that's really all that you can use to get through the season. And I think it would have just been so so provocative to see Kyrie, who left LeBron, gets to play on his yep. team, get a chance to beat LeBron. That would have been a lot of pressure now, on LeBron. Now, all, all, of the, all the year, all the podcasts I listened to, all the articles I read, there was like this subtle hint that Gordon Hayward might come back if the if the Celtics go deep in the I don't playoffs. think there's a chance now. Not a chance now. I think they know that they don't have no, a chance. And you know what, though? The, the Celtics are still an interesting team. I still think they're going to win their first-round matchup. Um, Terry Rozier is not playing bad. No. Um, and they have some really good complimentary Tatum, pieces. Tatum's going to be a superstar in this league. Mark my words. Uh, Brown's going to be a stud. I don't know if he's going to be as good as Tatum, but he is really good. And that Morris trade that they made with the Pistons is looking better and better by the day. First of all, Avery Bradley's in L.A., not even on the team anymore. Yeah. Um, and he's hurt. And Morris is an impact player. He's a good three-point shooter, and he can defend you know positions – Two, three, four, and five. So hey, Boston got the one seed and got to the conference final last year with a lot of really good players, no great players. Yeah, so they could do it again. But yeah. I, I do think I'm in agreement with you. I, I do think it's gonna we're on a crash course for Toronto, Boston, or uh, Toronto, Cleveland, rather, uh, with LeBron getting the better of uh, Lowry and DeRozan again. So. Um, I think for all that drama that could have been in the Eastern Conference Final, which would be a lot of fun for the NBA and for even the fringe fans and even for the real fans that are trying to get back into it. But, you know, maybe Toronto will surprise us and give yeah, them a series. We we spoke about that on Easter. Um, Toronto's playing a little bit of a different brand of basketball this year. The only issue is is that Toronto lost a lot of players Um you know, you have Van Vliet playing a lot of minutes and a bunch of other guys that I don't even know their names are playing impact minutes, and there's really not a bunch of guys that can just go at LeBron and give him a hard time. You're not going to stop probably the second greatest player of all time, but at least make him tired. You know, the Celtics have Jalen Brown to guard him up, Jason Tatum. They would have had Gordon Hayward. You know, the list goes, Marcus Morris can, can post him up down low. The, the 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 Toronto Raptors don't have those guys that are going to just wear LeBron down and, and keep LeBron in a series. So I think that LeBron's going to end up taking over and that it's going to make it the, – the thing that's going to be interesting is if Embiid can come back to close to what he was, that – that um that 76ers team is playing really well right now, even without Embiid. I think this is huge that Embiid's out because it's making Simmons a lot better. He looks really poised. And they made a great ap- acquisition of Marco Bellinelli as well, who's another shooter for him just to fling the ball to and him just to, to bang threes all day. Between that, J.J. Redick, Covington, and all the other players on that team – it looks like the type of team, because they're long and they're athletic and they're shooters, that can beat LeBron. That's the one team. And I think they're a few years away and they're a little young. But, you know, they may end up being that team where you get a surprise a little bit early. Oh, man. You know, like the Thunder, when they went to the finals a few, um, what was that? Yeah, when they lost to the Heat. Was that 2012? 12, yeah. 
that team wasn't when they expected, still had Harden. Yeah, that team wasn't expected to beat those Lakers, but we were like, holy shit, this team's going to be around for years to come. And then Harden subsequently got traded with one of the worst trades in the history of basketball. Right. But I, yeah, I mean, I can certainly see the comparison. I don't. I don't buy into the hype as much as you're as much as you're leading it up to be. I I think trust me because I trust them. They'll be there, but I don't think they would give Cleveland much of a series as far as winning games. But I think they would tire them out. I think they would give them problems. I think they'd annoy them. I think they'd make them. They would at least know the Cavs. That is, they would know that the Sixers were there. And you can and it could be a four game sweep. Yeah. But they'll they'll make sure that you they know they're there. You could point that to one of the reasons why it's like, oh well, now the Cavs are tired and they're gonna. That's it's gonna make it easier for the Warriors and or Rockets. Right, because what do the Sixers have to lose? I mean, nobody would expect them to win. This is their first time. They've arrived maybe even a year early than people thought. Yep. And you know, play with house money, see what you can do, and maybe you piss them off and and you tire them out a little bit for the Raptors to take advantage. But. Hey, who knows? We get, we're about a week away, week and a half away from the NBA postseason officially starting, which um, which could always be fun. I mean, we need some we need some interesting first round stories for sure, especially in a league where we kind of already know who's going to be there at the end. Yeah, I, I, this is going to be the type of year where you really got to follow the storylines and just try and take each game in because you know, just like the NBA in most years, it's it's not going to matter till the Eastern Conference Finals. So you're really going to have to enjoy those three, four series and those at the beginning because the the top teams are going to dominate. And we've been saying that. We've been talking about that at nauseum. So yeah, and anyone who follows you know, the sport even loosely understands that that's the exactly. Case. And, and it's just like we're just trying to make fucking content. But at the end, the, at the end, I would be shocked if it comes down to anybody besides. The Cavs and the Warriors, and that's why we wanted to bring up the Kyrie and for you know the Kyrie story because we really thought that could he could have posed a threat, and now that yeah. that's gone, it seems like it's just another roadblock out I, of the way for LeBron. I think that the Celtics have the best coach in the league. I think Brad Stevens is already locked in Coach of the Year to lose to lose your two best players for I mean one for an entire season except for three minutes in the season. Um, and then the other one for, you know, a little less than half, I think he's done a really, really good job. And I think in the end, we're going to look at this because the Celtics weren't going to win this year, but you're going to look at this and you're going to say, wow, you know, um, Tatum really grew from this and he's going to, I think he's taken a major step forward and he's had a, um, I don't know how to put it, I guess a rookie future superstars kind of classic season where started off well um then he crashed because he's 20 years old and doesn't know the nba he's going through the he's, N- he's going through the rigors of the 82 nba uh, game nba uh season for the first time yes so for the fifth time in a row congrats to the warriors on winning the championship <laughs> how many times are we going to say that yes. as we close our nba segment so let's <laughs> jump into um I guess we'll talk a little bit of NFL. Um, you have a CBS mock draft pulled up there. We usually like to do ESPNs, but I don't feel like fucking paying for ESPN.com, so we'll just use CBS. Well, especially then, because ESPN likes to have McShay and uh, McShay on and Kuiper on, you know, every hour of every day. I don't understand why you'd have to pay for an insider subscription. Absolutely. So I'm not going to do that. But just um, a sidebar of news: the New England Patriots just signed um, Jordan Matthews, former um, 
he was a Buffalo Bill, but he was also a former Philadelphia Eagle. Player with a lot of promise, but always hurt. But you never know with those Patriots. He might end up being a good player. But I feel like they're super hit or miss with the wide receivers. Um, but it, um, going off of that, um, of that Cooks trade, um, why don't why don't we talk about that? Just with the impact, because I think you know. The, the Rams really loaded up this year, and they're either going to be like the Philadelphia Eagles of a few years ago where Vince Young called them a quote-unquote super team, and this is going to all end up going badly, or they're going to end up you know, winning the Super Bowl. But what I take away from this, besides Brandon Cooks is still a really good player, is that Bill Belichick just retooled his entire roster for really cheap. He got, a, he got an additional first and second round pick. Yeah, so I'm looking at the trade right now. Brandon Cooks goes to uh, goes to L.A. for a first-round pick. That's going to be the 23rd pick in the draft. Uh, the Patriots also sent a fourth-round pick and received a sixth-round pick. And, you know, it seems reading... They didn't get an additional second for that as well? No, it doesn't look like that. It just said um, they just got a first and the sixth. But, it, you know, to for Brady, apparently he wasn't too bent out of shape that they shipped him out. And... I don't know if that's a test where he can just. Cooks but now was he's a lost Amendola too. Cooks was a one-trick pony, and they're gonna, you know, they'll find somebody. They my, always do. Yeah, they're probably gonna draft somebody in the sixth round that's gonna make an impact. And you know what? Next year, um, that just means that they're confident that Edelman's uh, obviously Edelman's gonna be back next year and be really good, or else they wouldn't have let Amendola walk. And they're probably really confident in Chris Hogan. Yeah, obviously. And you also have to take into account that they had another wide receiver that they were really high on that that got that got hurt pretty badly in Malcolm Mitchell as well, who I. Think is going to take That's a, a good point. I've totally forward. forgot about Malcolm Mitchell. They just yeah. signed Jordan Matthews, who's a who could be a a really good slot wide receiver. I don't think he's going to be a great fantasy player. Not that anybody cares about Bill Belichick. Is I was just going to say the last team. person in the NFL but, that cares about fantasy is but Bill yeah, Belichick. I don't think he's going to be putting up the major numbers, but I think if healthy Jordan Matthews can make an impact on this team. Oh, I agree. As well as Edelman, and um, you're given a team, you know, in the Patriots that is regarded as one of the best drafting teams, if not the best they're drafting gonna, team. They got two first rounders. They're again. probably gonna replace Solder and and a, and another and maybe a middle linebacker and, that and they And do you need. have any doubt that both of those first round picks are gonna hit? They're gonna be both starters. They might not be pro bowlers, but they'll start for the Patriots for five years and then when they're fucking over the hill, Bill Belichick will let them walk right before And it seems right like it's usually a year too early than a year too late. Absolutely. He's really hasn't missed much. Nope. So I, I never I never question any move they make. But the one, I got, th- the one one slip up that he made was the Garoppolo thing, and we don't even know how good one Jimmy Garoppolo is. And two, we'll probably see a documentary like 40 years from now from some insider about how Belichick was pounding his fist on the table and almost quit. But well, was that was when the him. that was when the ESPN story surfaced because you know we know Belichick. He didn't want to trade a young future quarterback, and since he gives up on everybody who seems to be in their late 30s or, or towards the twilight of their career, Brady this forced his not, hand. This does not fit his his mo at all. No, um, but, I mean, and you you got a Brian Hoyer as the backup, who's yeah. the perfect backup because he's no threat to Brady. But if Brady goes down, there goes your chances, we'll no matter see, how good the system is. Uh, we'll see is. what they do in the draft this year. Oh, absolutely. Maybe even Lamar Jackson pops up on their roster. Somebody who they know they don't have be, to start unless Brady gets hurt yep. or by the time he's ready, Brady is definitely Could you imagine Lamar gone. Jackson learning from Brady for two or three years? He would be great, I think. Oh, I, I agree. If he's um, going to go to a system, that would be the one. But I got the mock draft. 
have pulled up right now. So yeah, let's get many, into that instead of sucking off the Patriots. Well, as many for a interesting moves as the Patriots make, you know, we talked about that second first round pick that they just acquired now, which was the Rams pick, and the Rams have been very active during this off season, this free agency and trade season. But um, I have a, the I have Rams a mock can... draft made up right now from Pete Prisco from CBS. And now, just a quick sidebar: is this mock draft is done with his inside intel? However, whatever that means, the fact that he has Buffalo now in the number two spot, tra- making some kind of trade with the Giants prior to draft night. I don't see it happening. I'm going to tell you off the rip that pisses me off as a Jets fan. But I don't think the Giants would trade with the Jets anyway, so there was really no chance of the Jets going any higher unless they wanted to go with the one overall. And, you know, Cleveland looks a little bit more competent in their front office, and they probably would have had to give up their fucking their entire franchise for um Oh, for, for sure. And I pick. think, too, is for the Giants, is why would you trade, unless you could work a three-team deal with, say, an Indianapolis or a Denver I can't see why the Giants would go all the way back to 12. You just won three games. You suffered through the worst season you've had since 1980 to draft 12. Yeah, absolutely. They would have to give up a King's ransom. They would have to give up – the Buffalo Bills would probably have to give up the 12 pick this year, their first-round pick next year, a third first-round pick, and a second-round pick. Or and something give me a crazy. starter on your team, too. Yeah, and they, they that means you whoever's, whoever you're drafting at number two, you you know for an absolute 99.9% fact, barring they get injured, is your guy. Like, he's going to be yeah. like the next John Elway or something. Right, and the last thing I'll say before we get into the, into the crux of this mock draft is if you're the Giants' Gettleman, I love everything he's been doing. He's been throwing up smoke screens left and right. One day it's the report that Bradley Chubb's their guy. The next day it's Quentin Nelson. We need an offensive lineman. The next day it's, hey, he's spotting all those quarterbacks. Wow, he even went to talk to Mayfield. You know, he's all over the place, which is great if you're because he understands that there's people in the position that want that number two pick draft desperately. Yeah. And they'll do anything he thinks to get it. So he wants to be all over the place to not give anybody an idea of where his mind really is at. Because I think he knows what he's going to do, but he sure as hell isn't going to tell anybody. So the draft's three weeks away, so let's yeah, go three through. Weeks from tonight. Let's go through, you know, there's going to be another mock draft out. We'll really go through with a fine tooth co- with a fine whatever that saying is. <laughs> with a fucking magnifying glass. There you go. We will go through the entire maybe first round with the final mock draft. Let's just do, you know, the top seven picks, whatever, and then whoever the Giants are taking with the 12th pick. Sure. So number one, who do we got? The um, This has Cleveland Browns taking Josh Allen at number one. One, okay, big seem, arm, a lot of, lot of high upside. Comparisons um, to Wentz. Yeah, they're not going to make that same mistake that they made in the golf Wentz year. I understand that. That's a smart pick. Yep, Buffalo Next. with that two pick, the you know hypothetical two pick, uh, taking Josh Rosen from UCLA. Okay. Uh, the Jets from Indianapolis taking Darnold. So the top three quarterbacks going in the first three picks, which is what a lot of people would assume no matter who holds that number two pick. I, I honestly, with the Jets, they said that they liked all three quarterbacks. You're going to trade up that high, take whoever's left. If you really like all three of those quarterbacks that much, they even like Baker Mayfield. Please don't take Baker Mayfield. There's not a chance they take Baker Mayfield but if one of those is still take good. take the, take one of those three guys. Obviously, one of the three are still going to be available at three. Um, if you're the Jets, you you just got to think that there's, or if you're a Jets fan rather, you just got to think there's no way they could like Mayfield as much as the other th- of the top three who's available. Yeah, no, no, absolutely so, not. 
Uh, moving on there, you have Cleveland taking uh, Saquon Barkley from um, okay with their fourth pick. He's I the best do. player available. Absolutely. He, he's the best player in the draft. He's a freak of nature. I've spoken about running backs a lot. I don't think they're worth that high of a round draft pick. Um, you can get an undrafted free agent, and the margin of an undrafted free agent to Shaquan Barkley is a lot closer than the margin of an undrafted free agent quarterback to one of those top three or an undrafted free agent defensive end to Nick Chubb. That is a very, very, very um, diluted position. Yeah. And it does not last long. Shaquan Barkley could be out of the league in four years. Right. You could Listen, you could tell me he's going to be the best running back of all time, and it may not matter because some of the best running backs ever have never played on winning teams. Exactly. It's a very, very um, you know diluted position. Yeah, you can, especially you can get, in today's NFL. Yeah, you can get an undrafted free agent, find lightning in a bottle for one to two years. Look what Alex Jeremy, Collins did in, yeah. in, in Baltimore Alex this year. Alex Collins, Austin Eckler, Jeremy Langford, just to name a few over the past few years. And I bet you I could comb up and down every single roster and name a running back that's undrafted that's playing impact snaps for each NFL team. Hey, the Giants won two Super Bowls with Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Brown. Bradshaw, who were fourth and seventh round picks, respectively. So you, you can win. But Don't get me wrong. I recognize the talent. He's a freak in nature. But and if they hit on their quarterback, he could be a reason why they yeah, they, 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 they made really turned it around. Big time moves this year. So um, let's move on down the line. Speaking of your boy Baker here, going to Denver at five. Elway finally does he finally hit on a quarterback? They signed Keenum to a two-year deal. Baker Mayfield's either going to be great or he's going to be out of the league in four years. That's the way I feel about it. Indianapolis. And then what happens is he'll probably end up being out of the league for like two years, and then he'll be a career backup somewhere. You know, he'll be like Brandon Whedon. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the highest Who's pick. Who's still that, getting jobs in the NFL, which is, mind you. Which is amazing. I mean, RG3 just got a job with Baltimore. Yep, I he mean, did. I, That's I, crazy. Listen. Supposedly he had offers last year, turned him down because he wasn't going to be the starter, and I guess this year and he took the offer. I, I just don't know how. Although, I, I don't you know, know how some of these guys continue to get jobs. but tr- Tremendously overrated. He's not going to start over him. No. Guy won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So That's going down the line, for a long in, time. Indianapolis taking Bradley Chubb. How do you how do you pass on him if he's available there? Uh, Tampa Bay taking the top offensive lineman in um, Quentin Nelson at seven. Uh, moving on they down here, uh, San Francisco uh, taking Davenport at nine. I missed over the Bears who are taking the linebacker out of Boise State, uh, Vander Esch. Okay, supposedly he's a really athletic player. Um, you know, very raw, supposedly, so he's going to take some development. But who is that, San Francisco? Uh, San Francisco taking Marcus Davenport, the defensive end out of uh, UTSA. Okay. Um, another Don't guy with fre- he, he, another guy with freakish athletic ability. Okay. Upside when that, really when high. When does that safety out of Alabama go? Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, let's find on here real quick. Um, the Giants, they have it. If they are at 12, taking with Tremaine these... Edmonds, the linebacker out of Virginia Tech. Okay. If that, if that is a move that ends up happening. You know, Gettleman addressing the linebacker position more in an offseason than Jerry Reese did in 10 years. Uh, brief tangent Green on... Green Bay Packers, real quick. Minka Fitzpatrick at 14. Okay, brief tangent on the safety position with the new rule changes in the NFL. There's no such thing as an enforcer safety anymore because you basically are out there having a fucking pillow fight. Uh, the Yankees are down 5-1. to one. Great. Um, 
so yeah, the Jets, you know, I'm a little upset because the Jets draft Jamal Adams to be their enforcer over the middle, and now a guy like Marcus May that's a little bit better of a cover safety might end up having a better career than him, even though he's not as good of a player just because the NFL is changing. But I guess you have to see the writing on the wall and make adjustments. Um, you know, as for the NFL draft, I think when the final mock draft comes out, we'll definitely wrap it up. Um, just tell me where. Just tell me where Lamar Jackson. I'm looking going. right now. Uh, yeah. As of right now, Lamar Jackson is not picked to go in the first round. So you know it, that might be a. He could be a hidden gem, diamond in the rough, uh, second round pick early. Maybe they're the Giants decide since they're going to have one of the top two picks in the in the second round to say, hey, we didn't love any of these quarterbacks. If enough. they don't take him, the Patriots will. I got a feeling this year. If he's on the Patriots, I think that. Bill Belichick keeps the ball rolling, and he stays until he's just put him in the it's fucking It's hard ground. to argue with anything that they do. Yeah. So so uh, that's that's enough of the, the NFL for now. Three We're, weeks away. We'll three get... weeks away. I'm sick and tired of seeing mock drafts. I'm sick and tired of seeing all this bullshit. Although this was one of the more interesting off-seasons between the Odell Beckham bullshit. He's going to stay on the Giants. Enough said with that. Oh, I, I agree. There's no way that they're going to trade him. Exactly. They can't get what they want for him with him being an impending free agent after this year and wants to be the highest paid receiver. Whoever Absolutely. trades for him is going to have to give up their franchise and then pay him. So we don't need to go on a whole tangent about that, but the the Rams um, have made the offseason kind of interesting. Made it feel a little bit more like an NBA offseason. A little bit. Um, you know, and then we had the earlier, you know, free agent sign. I was happy with what the Jets did, but we spoke about all that already, so I'm just ready for the draft to start. Um, but let, let's just, you know, finish off the pod with, um, I think... Both of our strong suit and the only team that the both of us can agree upon, and that's a little baseball talk. Yeah, I'm down. Only impressions, Boston 6-1. and You're over here sweating bullets telling me before we (laughs) recorded this. I say I don't fucking care because David Price is going to make it on, on the DL at some point. Yeah, I mean, you got a better they've played nobody seeing... so far. They've played the Rays, the Marlins, and now the Rays are yeah. in Boston. You got so a they better chance of seeing yet. Jesus than David Price making it through a full <laughs> season. I'll put it to you that way. Um, Sale, I think you think he's going to be Cy Young. I think he's going to fizzle out. Um, you know, towards the end, because I still think he's just a power guy going after the strikeout. And I just think this Yankees offense, like right now, we just look. They're down five to one to Baltimore. They could come back and, and win that game easily. Well, I think what's been really... Two swings of the bat. Yeah, I mean, they lost those... So when we last talked on Sunday, Batanzas had his folly on uh, on Saturday. Robertson we gave up... We spoke to that Yeah, enough. Robertson gave up the grand slam to smoke in a questionable managerial decision by Boone. First time he, uh, he felt the heat of the New York media. I didn't like the move. We don't have to get too much into that. Analytics are going to drive every decision. They they figured an 0 for 5 uh, by smoke against Robertson was more important than a than facing uh, Donaldson, who's a little compromised with his shoulder with an open base. But it is what it is. In the shoulder baseball. thing with Donaldson, not to get in too deep, but it's really interesting because if you watch him, he's a, he's an A plus defender, but he can't make throws anymore. Yeah, he said it's dead. It's not hurt. I don't understand how that really is. He's the not case. a pitcher, right? So I, I, mean, I don't whatever. know, but I feel like mid, you know. June comes along, he's going to be making diving plays and throwing guys out. He's, he's not that old yet. No, and they can stay relevant in the division or even in the wild card hunt because they I think can he, hit. I don't think he's on the team by the end of the year. If they fizzle out by late July, he's gone. They'll get whatever they can for him. Yeah. But um, 
you know, we've had to deal with some just absolutely shitty weather up here in the Northeast. It still feels like Cold February. Windy, man. It sucks. It's awful. So it's been a long winter. We had a nice snow out of the home opener for the Yankees on Monday. The first time it's been snowed out since 2003. Um, wow. They played in some awful weather on Tuesday, but well, had to get the, the game they in. They went to the World Series in 2003. Yeah, I'll take Marlins, some of that so, again. Yeah. Um, but they got that home opener in on Tuesday, come hell or high water, and Didi Gregorius... I tell you, if he wasn't loved by Yankee fans already, he's he, great, he took a he took a, a a crowd that was maybe half full at the stadium in just terrible weather, and he's, he brought him to life. These young shortstops in baseball right now—it's amazing. They are they're great, and you know you can rattle them off. I've done it a ton of times, but that's just a position that's full of studs right now. It it was kind of a a low end position a few years ago. We spoke to that about catcher kind of right now. Second base is kind of like that right now, in my opinion. Um, and, and shortstops kind of just like moved over into the, the cool position to be. Everybody wants to be it when you're a kid. That's kind of a Jeter A-Rod kind of thing. Cause these shortstops, I guess, grew up watching them, but now it, there's so many great shortstops in baseball. It's unbelievable. And Didi's just one of them. And, and Brian Cashman, man, I mean that move. Looks I love better him more than a lot of family members. I have. <laughs> I really do. I don't know if that says more about Cashman or your family, but uh. <laughs> um, but you know, I'll tell you right now, it, you have you have obviously the big the big power threats. All three went deep yesterday with two run homers, Stanton, Judge, and and uh, Sanchez. Great. But I tell great. you, who gets lost in the shuffle and might be, you know, we we spoke on Sunday, right, about who might be the best hitters, and we said you you mentioned Sanchez, which I agreed with, and and Bird is right up there. One healthy, maybe the best players. One of the best players on the Yankees is Didi Gregorius. Oh yeah, well, with one, the defense he plays. For one, he's great defensively. Great hitter, obviously. We don't have to speak to that. And the most important thing is he hits when you need him to. He's not like A-Rod where, you know, it's 10 nothing and A-Rod's going to pile on with another bomb. Besides 0-9, A-Rod predominantly was not a very clutch player. Um, I know he's had a resurgence, great-looking guy, Dayton J-Lo, really good on TV. But he really wasn't a clutch player. Didi is a guy that when when the pressure's on and that stuff matters, he's coming through with the big hit. He did it. F- he did it for the Yankees in that wor- in that wild card game against Minnesota, and he continued to do it in that series against Cleveland. Well, he had the two home runs against Kluber in Game Five, which really took the air out of the sails of that Ohtani, Cleveland stands. Otani, by the way, speaking of Kluber, it. It looks like fucking Babe Ruth out there right now. <laughs> I know. We went from saying that he couldn't hit in single A to... To Kluber deep, dead center. Yeah. A couple days ago. I'm rooting for him. He's a good story. I mean, yeah, listen, as, as Yankee fans, we wish he would have given them a chance. But, you know, he wanted to play where he wanted to play. You know what's going to happen, man. You wish he's, him nothing but the best. He's going to regress. When it comes to hitting, he's going to regress to the mean. It's the first week. I'm glad he's making contact. I'm glad he's hitting the ball out. Um... But he's going to regress to the mean, and and they're going to figure out how to pitch to him. By the end of the season, maybe he has 15 bombs, 20 bombs, and he hits two. But if he can win you 15 games. Oh, there you <laughs> I go. Mean, I so. mean, yeah. Uh, but back to the Yankees. I mean, yeah, Didi is perfect player, and you would have never thought it watching him in Arizona. Perfect player to replace Jeter. A lot of Best sp- shortstop of all time in my opinion. Tom's putting him in uh, Monument Park right now. Um, yeah, I see player. a lot of comparisons between Didi 
at following Jeter as I did Tino following Mattingly. You know, obviously we were younger at the time, but and following Jeter's the a much more historic player. Well, and because of won the winning, yeah. you know, it wasn't Mattingly's fault that they were so bad for all those years, and he was an iconic Yankee to that era of fans. But you know, Tino had a rough first year, even though they won the World Series his first year. He didn't produce, wasn't known mm-hmm. as clutch. And then after that, you know, he had that Grand Slam in 98, and the rest was history. And it seems like Didi had his Yankee moments last year in the postseason. Well, yeah, that— And I'll also say— Besides being great last regular season, like I said two seconds ago, that home run against Minnesota just kicked it Oh, off. absolutely. It brought him to a new level, um, how I feel about him, how probably most Yankees feel about him. And now it's just like when he's up there, there's those certain players. Jeter was like this. Um, Sheffield, for me, was kind of like this, where— when they're up and it matters, they're coming through. Yeah, I don't know what it was about Sheffield, but I felt like if they, you needed a home run, he was going to. Was hit it, it the stance and the violent swing? <laughs> Probably that, and maybe the steroids <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, oh, you gotta love steroid era baseball back in the early two thousands. But um, but yeah, no, even even on Tuesday, I think you know DD endeared himself to a lot of Yankee fans during the postseason, obviously, but. You know, stepping up in a in a terrible weather home opener that just didn't seem like a real home opener, and Didi brought it to life. Now, just a funny tidbit: we we Tom was giving me crap. Go ahead, before. I'll let you go off on your tangent to cap off the podcast. Let's hear it. Slam John the desk Carlos a couple. Stanton, zero for five with five strikeouts, getting booed in a game they won by seven runs. Listen. I can't take it. This Welcome is why to New people York. hate Yankee fans. Welcome this to is New York. Why people Fucking hate Yankee produce fans. five strikeouts. You shouldn't have five strikeouts in a week, much less a game. Did he hit a home run in his first Yankee at bat and win opening day? What have you done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> hit a bomb yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, I just, stupid. Thought was, I just thought Who it was funny. Cares? I just it's, thought it was funny yeah. to, to you know get booed that quickly. But I think he handled it great. You know, he said like, "Listen, you should boo me." Uh, Didi came in and cleaned up the mess. It was all fun of and games course. they won. And you know what? It could have been a lot worse had he been a dick or whatever about the booze. He handled it well, and it's gone already. I think it's he passed, already forgotten. I think he passed that test that A-Rod never passed until he won, which was, you know, no, he, t- handling never yourself passed, to the media. A-Rod never passed that test until the second time around where right. when he was about to sue the Yankees, and then after that, he must have gone to therapy or found Jesus or something because he he's A-Rod's like a different person now. But. Oh, he is. But, no, I thought that was just funny. I mean, welcome to New York, right? Like, five strikeouts in a game, as awful as that is, getting booed. I don't know if it was the weather. I don't know if it was just because there wasn't a lot of people there. But, listen, they won the game. If you can get booed, strike out five times, that goes to show how deep this Yankee lineup is. You strike out five times, arguably your best hitter, and Didi has eight RBIs. So, no, yeah, I'm 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 really excited for this Yankee season. Um the pitchers look decent. Severino looks dominant, um, as well as Tanaka for a for a beginning of the year. Um and you know, you're not gonna the Red Sox are not gonna keep winning like this. Don't worry about the Red yeah, Sox. Yeah, eventually they're gonna face a good team that doesn't reside in Florida and, and basically look like and you know, admit to tanking. Exactly. So we should be back um later next week. By then, let's hope the NBA playoffs will be locked in because we're going to need something or other to talk about. Um, 
And, yeah, I guess we're just going to be able to talk about more baseball because I'm getting sick and tired of seeing some NFL mock drafts. I really am. Yep. Three weeks from tonight, we got the uh, we got the NFL draft. So we'll do some pre-draft talk the week leading up. We'll do some post-draft talk in the, in the week following. So we're looking forward to all of that. And so, the sports yeah, calendar rolls on. Be ready for some uh, some more NBA and some more, uh, some more baseball. So I'll talk to you soon, bro. Take care.